0: Divorce is always a tragic thing, but even more so when it happens to your child. I'm Rob West. Parents who see a daughter go through a divorce have some tough questions to answer. How much and how do we help? Financial teacher Ron Blue joins us today with his views on the topic. Then it's on to your calls and questions at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance Live. Biblical Wisdom for Your Financial Decisions. Well, Ron Blue doesn't really need an introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He's a co-founder of Kingdom Advisors, author of a shelf full of books on biblical finance, a mentor of mine, and a dear friend in Christ. Ron, great to have you back with us.
1: As always, Ron, terrific to join you. Appreciate the invitation.
0: We love it, Ron. And, you know, this is an important topic, helping a daughter who's going through a divorce. It's probably something we should talk about more often, do you think?
1: Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, you know, 50% of marriages end up in divorce, and it's uh, something that is becoming more and more common uh, in our society. So divorce is very real, and uh, it'll be good to talk about it a bit.
0: Yeah, it will, and I know you would agree that being a single parent is one of the hardest jobs there is, and financially, it's really challenging. Uh, This is something, though, this topic, Ron, that's very personal for you and Judy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Our uh, third child, uh, a daughter, uh, went through a divorce uh, after just a few years of marriage, and she had uh, one son that was born kind of during the divorce process. And so we had some tough uh, questions to answer, and you don't plan for these things, really, in the sense of, now what are we going to do, because you don't know all of the circumstances. Yes. So we did go through that, and we could spend a lot of time talking about what we learned, um, but I can tell you what we learned is it's hard, because you're dealing emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, uh, financially, all of those issues enter into it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's dig into that, Ron. How did you and Judy make that decision on how much and how to help?
1: I'd say, Rob, that we made it on an ongoing basis. Um, And I think that's an important thing to remember is because you can't kind of say this is it and live with that because you don't know how things are going to work out. Uh, You know, the relationship between uh, the divorced couple, how is that going to work out? And uh, what about your daughter in this particular case? Uh, how is she going to finance herself when she's a single mom? That's a hard, hard thing. Mm. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is that people feel like they failed. And uh, there's the, the emotion of failure. And how do you support a child who feels like they failed? Um, and then again, when now they've got siblings, So we had to decide, you know, how do we help her financially vis-a-vis her siblings? And we came to the conclusion on something that I had written, that if you love your children equally, you'll treat them uniquely. And she was in a unique situation. So it kind of, it didn't matter with the other children. Uh, We we didn't have to treat them the same way we were going to treat our daughter. And we didn't.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and Ron, I know one of your goals throughout this process was to be able to help, but then release her once again to self-sufficiency. What did that look like?
1: Well, uh, it took time. I think we were involved in helping her for probably six years before she got remarried. And uh, she then had to uh, kind of figure out a career uh, that she could be self-supporting. And so uh, we did a lot of babysitting. We spent a lot of time with her. Uh, We spent a lot of time. In fact, probably, you know, we've got 13 grandchildren, and we may be the closest to her one son, who's now uh, 23 years old. Hmm. Um, But we're really close to him because we we were a large, large part of his life.
0: Yeah. And, Ron, I suspect uh, prayer was a big part of this as well, right? prayer and friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) great. a big
1: part.
0: Well, Ron, uh, we just scratched the surface on this, but there's a huge need here and a wonderful opportunity, and I know you've been an encouragement to our listeners today. Thanks for stopping by. Well,
1: thanks for asking me, Rob. I
0: enjoyed it. That's Ron Blue, author of Master Your Money and frequent contributor here at Faith and Finance Live. All right. Your calls are next. The number 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West and this is Faith and Finance Live. We'll be right back.
2: The opinions offered during this program represent the personal or professional opinions of the participants given for informational purposes only. Any information provided is not intended to replace advice from a financial, medical, legal, or other professional who understands your specific situation.
0: Well, it's nice to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West, and this is the program where we answer your financial questions, help you apply biblical wisdom to what you're considering in your financial life. So uh, the only thing left is for your phone call, 800-525-7000. We've got, let me count them up, five lines remaining, 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you today. All right, I'm ready to dive in, and we're going to begin in Northport, Florida. Walter, go ahead, sir. Yes, thank you for having me.
3: Uh, So I am 31 years old. I started my career uh, for assisted living community. Then I had another job at um, heating and cooling. And then I married my wife and moved to uh, Florida, worked at a hospital. Now I'm at a different hospital. Every job I've had a 401k or some kind of benefit which I haven't done so good in keeping up with. And my question is, because I'm thinking to get a financial advisor or someone to help me out, but how do I really wrap my head about uh, keeping track of all my money?
0: Yeah, and specifically uh, just a financial plan, Walter, or an investment strategy or all of the above?
3: Yeah, all of the above
0: okay yeah well i think you're in a great spot to go ahead and engage with a financial advisor you know a lot of times we think that well we need you know 500 a million dollars uh, you know in order to be able to engage an advisor and that's just not true uh you know there's planning functions that a financial advisor can offer early even while you're still building wealth and then at some point they can step in and help you manage it Uh, either just giving you some counsel if it's in a 401k or actually through direct management if uh, you know you have enough assets outside of a 401k that uh, you know you meet their minimums and so forth but I think you're in a great spot to do some planning just to look at okay where are we at in our financial life in terms of you know are we offsetting the risks that exist with the proper amounts of in in types of insurance Uh, you know what are we doing toward retirement what's our ultimate finish? and are we on track for that? What vehicles are we saving in? What about lifestyle and cash flow? And do we have a plan to to handle that? If you have kids, what about college savings, and you know, then you've got your estate plan and making sure that you've got a valid will and you've thought through some of those decisions, even in your 30s, you need that. Um, so there's a host of things that can be covered as well as minimizing taxes. And that's where a financial planner would often do what they call a comprehensive financial plan that would really look at all of these things that they would you know, deliver to you. And then over time, they can serve a valuable role for accountability. Because, you know, they can ask you hard questions and they can, you know, keep you all accountable to your goals. Uh, You know, it's a great person to be able to ask your spouse questions, too, and, you know, allow you all to kind of work through, uh, you know, your goals and plans and make sure that there's somebody there walking alongside you. So where I would go next, Walter, if you don't have somebody in mind, is to our website at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. And right there at the top of the page, you can click the button that says find a CKA and uh, do a zip code search for a certified kingdom advisor. I'd interview two or three, make sure you're a good fit for their practice, and then um, I think that'll give you what you're looking for.
3: Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've seen there's tools I need um, working full-time. I just can't manage myself, I guess, all the resources and everything out there. So thank you for that.
0: Well, there's a wisdom and a multitude of counselors, uh, Walter, so I think this is a great time for you to take advantage of that. Thanks for calling today. We appreciate you being on the program. Uh, let's uh, go to Memphis. Hi, Helen. Go right ahead. Uh,
2: thank you for taking my call. I have a question about a friend that is very deep in debt, a Christian friend, and I try to get this person, I'm like, you know, it's great being debt-free. I want that for you, and he spends... I you not, $200 a month on bank fees, you know, mm. withdrawals from ATMs or things that have bounced or whatever. And I just, uh, he makes a good income. I just can't seem to impress on him how great life would be if he didn't have any debt and he didn't have to throw his money away. <laughs> I was wondering yes, if he can help me in some way to, to encourage him.
0: Yeah. Well, a couple of thoughts here, Helen. Number one, at the end of the day, he's going to have to make that decision for himself. You can't do it for him. But I think there's a couple of things you can do. Number one is just by way of you living out. The joy and the peace of mind that you have from being unencumbered, I would imagine would be somewhat contagious for him. So as you all interact and you have an opportunity to celebrate, not in a boastful way, but celebrate God's faithfulness and just the the peace of mind that you have by living simply and owing uh, nothing, Uh, you know, I think over time, especially if he has some mounting bills and it has some concern over his ability to pay, you know, that that life that God designed when we follow his principles and we follow his ways is contagious. And so I think you just kind of living that out over time will take care of some of that. But secondly, perhaps you give him a gift of a book that would, you know, really help him to uncover God's design for money. And so I'd love to send you um Perhaps uh, Howard Dayton's book, Um, Your Money Counts, I think could be a great one. It certainly addresses this topic of debt. From a biblical perspective, but it covers a host of other issues, from lifestyle and spending plans to you know even uh, talking about generosity and just really kind of is a great primer for biblical money management. Helen, and perhaps you give him that as a gift, uh, you know, next time you see him, and just say, hey, I found this to be useful. I want to pass it along, and if he's a reader, maybe it'll be something that blesses him. But I think beyond that, uh, you know, there's probably very little you can do other than you know praying. For him, that God would uh, grip his heart around the opportunity to be faithful in money management. Uh-huh.
2: I agree with you. I was just, uh, I, it just distresses me. I'm debt free, and it is a blessing. The Lord has really <laughs> blessed me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it is, and I'm delighted you shared that with our listeners today. And uh, I appreciate your burden for your friend, and I'm I'm confident that your presence in his life will be an, an encouragement to him. And uh, as you live out the ways of Jesus, uh, hopefully uh, he will uh, be impacted by that and want to pursue that in his own life. So, Helen, stay on the line. We'll get uh, your information. I'll get a copy of Your Money Counts from Howard Dayton in the mail to you. It'll be our gift to you. We appreciate your call today. Well, folks, uh, we're going to head into our first break here in in just a moment, but we do have some lines open today. So if you have a financial question, you'd love to wrestle with it. uh, We'd uh, love to talk to you about it. You can call 800-525-7000. You know, here's the goal on this program. We want to help you see God as your ultimate treasure and money a tool to accomplish God's purposes. Think about this. You know, money is a good gift, a creation from the Lord. The problem is when we worship the creator, excuse me, when we worship the creation over the creator, it's a distorted picture. And that's what happens when sin enters the equation. So our goal is to renew our minds with scripture, to maintain an eternal perspective, to make God our ultimate treasure. And then everything else falls into place, including money. But we've got to, you know, push away the world's message that says your self-worth is equal to your net worth, that says you deserve to have these things, that says money will occupy and satisfy places that God was only intended to occupy. Let's do that together as we talk about a biblical worldview of money right after this break. We'll be right back. So glad to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. We're taking our calls and questions today. All the lines are full. So if you get a busy signal, just uh, be patient. We'd love for you to get through, but sit back and enjoy these uh, great questions that we have coming in. Uh, let's go right back to the phones to Chicago. Hi, Larry, go ahead.
4: Hi, thank you for taking my call. I listen every day and pick up great tidbits for you. I'm about oh, that's 65 great. years old and, uh, I'm financially secure and I want to do something for my grandson. He's going to be two in August. And what I want to do is I want to make something as, as hands-free as possible because my daughter's not the most astute with taxes. And I know I'm not going to be around forever. So Mutual funds with regard to you know municipal bonds are okay, and I've done a uniform gift to, to miners with my daughter previously, but I was around to manage it so is there any suggestions you have that I could like throw twenty grand at here, or there or anywhere, and kind of not worry about it again,
0: yeah. Uh, it's a great question, Larry, and perhaps one of the indexes would be a solution for you that would work well. Um, so it would not be a systematic contribution. You're looking at a one-time contribution, probably.
4: Yeah, a one-time contribution that I really that nobody really has to keep track of the tax consequences, and yeah. and I don't know how that's going to happen because I know those are the two things that are always going to happen, right? Taxes and getting called home.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, I mean somebody's going to have to handle the taxes and depending upon how this account is titled is going to ultimately determine who's responsible for paying the taxes. The only challenge with the UTMA or the UGMA, which is a custodial account, is that it becomes the child's asset at the age of majority. So when she turns 18, if she's either not spiritually or financially mature enough to handle it, it's her money, and she can do with it what she wants. Um, so are you comfortable with that, or would you rather you or your daughter be the one to decide when she gets it?
4: No, they let them fly on her own. They'll make their own okay. mistakes and learn from okay. it. Okay.
0: All right. So then you, you could do a custodial account because I suspect, I mean, along the way, she probably won't have, uh, you know, much In the way of income. um, And, you know, then you wouldn't have to worry about it Um, with that custodial account. uh, You know, the the um, the custodial accounts are subject to what's called the kiddie tax. So this rule applies to unearned income up to a certain threshold. And then over that threshold, the child pays taxes at the parent's rate. So somebody is going to have to look after that just to make sure that the filings happen appropriately. But it it should be fairly simple. I mean, I think the key is to put this in something where you don't need active oversight of it. And that's probably going to be one of the index solutions where you just pick a broad market index, you drop the money. And then you're just knowing, okay, I'm capturing the broad moves of the market. Maybe it's the S&P 500, um, you know, or the Russell 1000. So you're not picking winners and losers. You're just saying as the broad market does well, this account is going to do well over time. And then obviously there will be, uh, you know, taxes that will have to be paid along the way. You know, for any distributions, meaning dividends. But, um, you know, until it's sold, there's not going to be, you know, much in the way of taxes that will have to be paid, if anything, given that it's in that custodial account. So you could, um, you know, go to a Schwab, for instance, and open like the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios where they kind of use one of these robo advisors to manage it for you. It's very low cost, probably one fifth of 1% a year. And, um, you know, it would, Make sure that it's properly diversified among largely stocks, but probably a smaller allocation of bonds, but only using the exchange-traded funds. And, you know, as long as your daughter could hand that over to a CPA or somebody uh, who's filing her taxes, then they can include it.
4: Any chance for a Roth IRA or a regular IRA for the young guy?
0: She has, or he, the child, has to have earned income. Um, and so if they have any earned income, they could contribute or you could on their behalf up to the amount of earned income until you reach the annual limit for the year, which happens to be, uh, you know, 7000 for this year. Uh, but if they don't have earned income, they're not working, then the, the IRA is not an option. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you doing what you do. Happy to do it, Larry, and thanks for your call and your kind remarks, sir. I appreciate you. Uh, Let's uh, stay in Chicago. Hi, Sally. Go ahead.
5: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of questions. Uh, I just turned 69 a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I have about $300,000 in 401K. And what I'm interested in, I've talked to a couple of people that have annuities, and uh, I was wondering if you can explain the lifetime benefit of annuity and um, how does that really work? The other thing is I also am by myself. I'm uh, divorced and I don't have any children. And I'm kind of worried about uh, what's going to be happening with my long-term care. If, if you have any input on that, and how do I go about obtaining
0: that? Okay. Yeah. So you're probably were talking about what's called for the first part of the question, uh, a single premium immediate annuity. It can be also called an income annuity. And basically it's designed to give you peace of mind and make sure you never outlive your retirement savings. So usually you your lump sum uh is then a, you know paid in from a 401k or other investments and then you know you can either let that grow Uh, or you can annuitize it, which then converts it into an ongoing guaranteed stream of income for a specified period of time or for a lifetime. And then, you know, eventually you can make withdrawals on that. So is that the kind of thing you're looking for?
5: I I believe so. Yes.
0: Yeah. So what I would do, I'm sorry, go ahead.
5: Uh, I I just said I got some information from a friend that did that and uh, she's getting I believe about $7,000 a month and she also had a long term care uh, combined with that and I really couldn't understand everything that she was trying to tell me in a short period of
0: time. Yeah, got it. All right, let's do this. I'm going to take a quick break. If you'll hold the line, let's pick this up on the other side of the break, and we can talk more about this uh, guaranteed annuity and long-term care uh, along with it. These are some great questions, Sally. I look forward to unpacking that a bit more with you. Stay with us on Faith and Finance Live. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today. All the lines full, so we're going right back to the phones. Before the break, we were talking to Sally in Chicago. Uh, she's got almost 300000 in a 401k. She just turned... 69. Uh, She's looking to get an annuity that would pay her an income stream. Her friend has an annuity that also has long term care included. And she's wondering uh, about whether or not that makes some sense. And Sally, as I was sharing uh, before the break, you know, some of the benefits of annuities are being able to take uh, a lump sum like you have, convert it to um, a guaranteed return, which gives you peace of mind. And you get tax deferral as it's growing, so it's continuing to grow in a tax-deferred environment, just like you are in the 401k. And then at some point down the road, you could convert that to an income stream, or you could do it right away if you needed the money right now. Uh, The other option is what you referred to as uh, adding long-term care. Uh, You know, a lot of times these will be called long-term care annuities, and basically it's just a combination of – one of these fixed annuities with long-term care insurance. Um, And so, you know, the benefit there is that, number one, the underwriting is more liberal. So traditional long-term care insurance insurers are pretty strict about who they'll insure. Uh, The long-term care annuities aren't as stringent. So that's a benefit. You continue to get the, the tax deferral. And then normally you would, you know, take out the interest from an annuity and it would count as taxable income. But if you take it as long-term care insurance benefits, that's not taxable. Um, and then you still get the guarantees inside it. Now, what you need to know in terms of maybe some of the downsides is you uh, often with a long-term care insurance policy, you'll get coverage from day one whereas with the annuity with the long-term care insurance rider it may take time for that to vest and so you can't get that you know benefit right away um it also requires often if it's a single premium policy that you come up with the money right up front so you know these things are complex but but this could solve for a couple of things you're looking for namely You know, a peace of mind type investment where you're not taking any risk, a reasonable rate of return and knowing that you have the benefits of the long term care, which in this season of life perhaps is the the single biggest risk you have, just given the fact that, you know, nursing home care can run nine $10,000 $10,000 a month. Um, and so, you know, if something's going to erode your assets, it's most likely, you know, going to be, um, you know, related to healthcare. So I think your next step, if this sounds attractive, would be to get with an, a, an advisor who could help you think through all of these options, even help you uh, determine what would be the best company and, and secure the policy if, in fact, you know, that's the direction you decide to go. Does all that make sense, though? Sure.
5: Yes, it does. um the question that I have like on that amount of money and about three hundred thousand, how much do you uh, in average you think you would get a month as a um, secure income
0: yeah. Uh, you know, th- there's really no way to tell without running one of these illustrations just because it, it involves not only your age and the balance, but the medical underwriting. And then also uh, you've got to look at, you know, the impact of the long-term care insurance because then it's not going to grow quite, quite as, as quickly. Um, so I would recommend that you, you know, rather than me giving you a number Here, just kind of off the cuff, I'd rather you have some actual illustrations run that factor in all of your details and then, you know, see if that's going to meet your needs. Because I understand you're also solving for a monthly income need to cover your bills. And so that's going to be a key part of this.
5: Right, right. Thank you so much. Yes, that was very (laughs) helpful. I really appreciate it. Do you by any chance have anybody here in Chicago that you would recommend for me to speak with?
0: Yeah, I would reach out to a certified kingdom advisor and I'd probably call two or three uh, and and talk to them over the phone and just get a feel for who might be the best fit, given your age and stage of life and and the things that you're looking for, your needs. Um, And so the way to do that is on our website. Are you comfortable using the Internet? Yes, yes. Okay, so just head to faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. And then right there at the top of the page, it'll say find a CKA, and that stands for Certified Kingdom Advisor. And then you can search by your zip code, and you'll see all the CKAs there in in your area, and you can reach out to two or three and do a phone interview.
5: Great. Thank you so much. God bless you for everything you do every day.
0: And you too, Sally. Thanks for being on the program. We appreciate it. Uh, let's uh, stay in Chicago. Greg, go ahead. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, the
6: question that I have is um, pertains to uh, required minimum distribution. I work for the federal government, so I have a thrift savings program. And I understand that the current uh, age where you have to take a required minimum distribution is 72? Yes. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. Well, yeah, and it's going up to 75. But, yeah, for most folks, currently it's 72.
6: Okay. So if I'm 72 and I'm still working, am I still required to take that distribution?
0: Uh, no. Even though the Yeah. So if if you are still working, uh, you do not have to take the required minimum distribution until you retire. Uh, And this applies really to any retirement account that would normally be subject to an RMD. If you're still employed, then you don't have to take that required minimum from the plan that your current employer sponsors. Now, that does not apply uh, if you have other accounts, so IRAs, simple, SEP, retirement plans from previous employers, those would all have a required minimum, uh, you know, if, even if you're still working. But for that plan with your uh, current employer, as long as you're still working and you don't own more than 5% of the business, which you don't with the U.S. government, and uh, you have that employer-sponsored plan, uh, then you uh, do not have to take that RMD until you retire
6: and you said that that uh, age is going to go up to 75 is that predicted to happen this year or uh
0: no it, it's uh yeah it 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 comes a little later um so it was through the secure act 2.0 um and it's for retirees who reach age 74 after 2032 so it's uh it's down the road a ways um the you know and it goes right now it's 72 and then it will eventually go to 73 and 2033 or 2033 i believe it is so um it it's going to be a while before it it heads up but it is continuing to move higher
6: but as long as i'm still working i'm not required to take that distribution
0: from the plan with your current employer that is true Okay.
6: Well, thank you. That was the
0: question that I had. Okay. Very good. Thanks for your call today. We appreciate you being on the program. Well, folks, uh, we're covering a lot of ground today, but uh, we've still got room for uh, a few more questions. We're also going to take some of your emails. You know, we love when you email us and ask your questions. Uh, You can do that, by the way. Maybe you're in a situation where you can't get through today on the air, but you still have that question. You want to send it along. We'd love to tackle that as well. Just go to moodyradio.org slash finance. Uh, We're going to take a few of those right after this break. When we come back, we'll address, I think, three of your emailed questions. Amy Rios is going to help me with that. And then we'll go back to the phones and tackle a few more questions today. This is Faith and Finance Live here on Moody Radio. I'm Rob West and so thankful to have you along with us today as we make God our ultimate treasure and money a tool to accomplish his purposes hey check out our website and make a gift while you're there we're listener supported you can do that at faithfi.com just click give at the top of the page we'll be right back Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance here on American, (laughs) on Moody Radio. I'm Rob West. Uh, Let's head to uh, take some of your emails today before we go back to the phones. As I mentioned, uh, feel free to send these along whenever you have them. If you have a question you're not able to get through on the radio, you can just send that to us. Go to moodyradio.org slash finance. You can type it in. And Amy, I understand you have a few of them today, right?
7: I have three more for you today. And you ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay. First off, we've got Mark. He writes, My house is worth about $750,000, and we owe $140,000 left on that 30-year mortgage. The interest rate is 5.625%. If mortgage rates drop, at what point should I consider refinancing at a lower rate?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, Amy, a lot of people are going to be thinking about this because in the last year they've locked in these rates that are much higher. Certainly. And now we're expecting them to start falling. So everybody's going to wonder, what's that right Time to uh, to refinance. So uh, number one is I would say just as a rule of thumb, uh, try to get at least a percent and a half reduction before you do it. So, you know, I would be looking to get maybe four and an eighth before you refinance. And the reason is that the cost of refinancing can run you three percent or more. Um, You know, so you have a $200,000 home, uh, you know, that's $6,000 just in fees to refinance. And so you obviously have to be able to recoup that. So the first rule of thumb is let's get, excuse me, at least a point and a half in terms of reduction of the interest rate. The second piece is uh, you probably want to make sure that you're going to stay in the home just based on everything you know today for at least another five years. So I think, Mark, your goal is to get to four and a quarter uh, and be able to stay five years beyond that. That's probably not going to happen this year. We're probably looking at next year at the earliest.
7: Okay, good rules of thumb to keep in mind. So next, Jane says, my husband and I recently moved cross-country for a new job. We have $350,000 from the sale of our home in the bank. We are renting for twenty two hundred dollars a month, and we're praying about how long we'll stay in this state, but we're not sure. So, average home um, costs here are about forty thousand. Oh, excuse me, four hundred thousand. For 40,000 would not be. <laughs>
0: That'd be great. That would
7: be great. <laughs> no, nothing to complain about there. So, about four hundred thousand. But our rent is just outrageous too. So, what do you recommend?
0: Yeah, I did hear just as a sidebar, Amy, that and I actually looked it up because I was fascinated by mm-hmm. it. Amazon is actually selling houses now. Seriously? Uh, yeah, so for I think it's nineteen thousand, they'll deliver it and you kinda it's it's a tiny house, okay. but literally the walls like pop out. And you've got a house. And, a, you know, wow. apparently a lot of younger folks are buying, <laughs> buying these.
7: <laughs> you got to have a piece of property to put it on, though, You do. Right? You, you know? do.
0: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. But, yeah, fascinating. Check it out. Uh, so this is a great question, Jane. And it's a tough decision. And I think the key there was when you said, we're praying about how long we'll stay in this state, but we're not sure. So as much as I'd love for you to own a home and be able to take advantage of the rising home values... And I don't want you to throw that twenty two hundred dollars a month in rent away. I also don't want you to spend, you know, five or six percent in fees to buy a four hundred thousand dollar home, even though you have a lot of money to put down only to turn around and decide this isn't the place for us. So I would say you probably want to think in terms of staying there for at least five years, preferably seven, before it's worth it uh, to buy that home. Otherwise, I'd likely just keep renting. And you know, we did a program recently, Amy, where we talked about this idea yeah. of renting versus buying. You know, For a long time, we've always said, buy, 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 as long as you can afford it, don't get overextended. And now just because, you know, home prices are so high on top of high interest rates, this is one of those temporary unique seasons where it actually might make sense to rent.
7: Yes. And just as you emphasized earlier, you know, and the the person who wrote the email here, I lost her name. That as no, Jane had Jane. mentioned about praying, I mean that's just such an important thing right now to keep in mind. Just praying yeah. about what the Lord wants you to do in those kinds that's of decisions. Right. So, okay. Finally, we have Sue. She says my attorney said I can give each of my daughters and their husbands seventeen thousand every year without any taxes. Would it be considered another gift if my sons-in-law give my daughters their gifts to put in my daughters' accounts? Would I have to pay taxes on there? Uh, On that then. And I think it's, she's saying that she wants to kind of just. Uh, funnel it all to her daughters. Actually, you know. Which yeah.
0: Is so this is an interesting question. Actually, that uh, annual gift exclusion that uh, your attorney mentioned increased this year. So for 2024, that's now eighteen thousand per person instead of seventeen thousand. Uh, you can actually give the gift to both of them if you want it. So you could do eighteen thousand to your daughter and eighteen to your son-in-law. That would make it thirty-six. If you just want to give it to your daughter only, that's fine. Um, and with her being married, that's marital property. So if she takes that gift and deposits it into a joint account, let's say with her husband, that's not another gift. Um, that's just one gift from you to her, and then that's marital property at that point. Uh, beyond that, I would also say even if you go above the eighteen thousand, it's still not taxable, Sue. Uh, you're just going to have to tell the IRS about it. It's IRS gift tax form seven hundred nine. You have to declare the gift. That's just going to eat away at your life time exclusion of $13.61 million. Uh, and, and that's a big number, Amy. Uh, you know, you have to get up to $13 million before you pay taxes on
7: yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think any either of us are going to experience no, that. No, so. yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, always great information. Thank you so much, Rob. And we love hearing from you guys. Just keep those questions coming. You can go to moodyradio.org forward slash finance, and there's a form you can fill out there to leave Rob a question.
0: Very good. Thanks, Amy. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, head back to the phones. Antoinette in Chicago, how can I help?
8: Uh, yes, I have a question. Um, I have uh, different properties. Um, I mean, multiple properties in one state and then uh, another one in a different state. But my question is, um, in order for me to uh, leave it uh, to my children, what do you recommend is the best way to go is a a, a will and a... Um, Living trust or what is, would be my options?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And when you have the key, I think, to your question here, Antoinette, is multiple properties, especially in separate states. I think a living trust or what's also called a revocable trust could be a great option for you. Uh, revocable meaning you can change it at any time. And it's a great way to pass property outside of probate and to you know have somebody a trustee step in and manage those properties until they're sold uh you know through uh, the the trust itself, if you're incapacitated or unable to do that. Um, so I would talk to your uh, real estate, or excuse me, your estate planning attorney about this. Whoever drafted your will, I still would have a valid will. You always want a will that's going to cover anything not in the trust, including your personal effects and furniture and things like that. But with multiple properties, uh, a revocable trust can make a lot of sense. Probably run you somewhere two, three thousand dollars to put into place, and then you'd have to retitle the homes. The properties in the name of the trust, but it can create for some really efficient and effective wealth transfer at death.
8: Okay, so revocable trust, and definitely it's good to have a will.
0: Absolutely, yes, ma'am. Okay,
8: uh, and then if they well, with them when they have to be distributed, uh, how would that work after that?
0: Uh, yeah, it would be according to the trust documents. So you would give instructions in the trust as to what's to happen. Normally, it would just be liquidated. So the trustee that's named in the trust, remember, all this with the trust is happening outside of the probate court. So it's not subject to the probate process. The trustee would then be charged with the responsibility of if this is what the trust said uh you know distributing the assets including uh you know selling the properties if that was the plan and then distributing the proceeds to whoever is named in the trust as the beneficiaries uh, so all of that would be spelled out in the trust. Now, if you wanted to keep the properties beyond your life and that was the plan, they could continue to stay on in the trust so long as you had a plan to maintain them and, you know, cover the expenses associated with them. And, you know, there would need to be assets in the trust to, to maintain the properties. Uh, but typically they'd be sold and the trustee would take care of that for you. And then
8: on the so my children then would have to, pay the the once that's let's say liquidated sold then each individual whatever percentage they get they have to pay the taxes correct yeah
0: that's but there that wouldn't that. be any taxes until you get above 13 million dollars uh, there's no inheritance tax uh, well there is no inheritance tax the estate tax uh, doesn't kick in until your estate's above 13 million dollars today. So as long as your estate a total estate all the assets are less than 13 million, uh there is no uh, estate tax to be paid and they wouldn't pay any tax on it by inheriting it either.
8: Okay, so it's a revocable trust and uh that can that is good for any state.
0: Uh yes, it is. Uh-huh. Uh mm-hmm. although I would check with the attorney in your state to draft it because state laws do apply. And because these properties are in multiple states, your attorney will be able to make sure that the language is such that it's appropriate to cover the laws of the state. But, yes, that revocable trust can hold properties from multiple states.
8: Would you be able to um, recommend someone that I could speak to?
0: Yeah, you know what I can do? I don't have a specific attorney, but I will say that any of our certified kingdom advisors there in Chicago uh, could refer you to a godly estate attorney. So I would just reach out, uh, go to our website, faithfi.com, faithfi.com, right there at the top of the page, click uh, find a CKA put in your zip code, and then I would call you know, any one of those certified kingdom advisors and say, listen, I need an estate planning attorney, and it's my understanding you can refer me. They all ha- would have one or two that they work with and could make that referral. And I,
8: again, the the website is in what?
0: Web... It's at faithfi.com. So that's faithfi.com. Okay. And then click find a CKA. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks for your call today. Dee, I'm so sorry we didn't get to your call. I'd love to get you on the program tomorrow. Uh, Stay on the line. Our team will try to get you scheduled for that broadcast. Thanks for uh, attempting to join us today. We'll hope to talk to you real soon. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, folks. We're so thankful for our team. I certainly couldn't do this without them. Laura, Amy, you heard from her today. Dan and Jim, uh, thankful for the rest of the team as well, behind the scenes that makes all this possible. Faith and Finance Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and FaithFi. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.